And we're live, and we sound a lot better, I hope, to you guys. Uh, Davey got a real microphone. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And so you can hear his real handsome, alluring, sultry voice. Thank God you don't get to see my face. We'd (laughs) we'd never get any more hits. Oh, man. That was self-deprecation. I'm sorry. I I learned that in the church. Self-defecation. What? What happened? <laughs> Are, okay. Let's not get I, into the details, you know? All right. Um, so, guys, we're sounding a little better, I hope, to you. And uh, I'm not talking on my headset mic anymore, which is a decent mic. This is actually more of a... of a. Uh, what are we laughing in the background for now? <laughs> what did, did I Dude, I don't know. This shit is just... Funny. Okay. I'm becoming like that that one guy online, the older gentleman bald, and he's just basically almost laughing through every podcast. He was in wow. the church for 50 years. Oh, okay. And he well. says, God, I'm stupid. He keeps saying, it took me so fucking long to finally pull my head out. And anyway, uh, I, I, I divagate. You divagate. Wow. That's a new one. Okay. I denigrate. Is that similar? <laughs> Or, similar, similar. It's okay. a, de- a detraction, yes. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, so hopefully we're getting a little more serious and professional here, and we appreciate you guys having patience with our lack of uh, audio fidelity earlier. Um, so we usually start off, well, let's first of all talk about the episode title, which actually we're still trying to decide. So when you see it published, you'll see the actual title decision. How about that? That's some mysterious shit right there. Um, we're thinking like uh, pay to play. Was that the one? And ticket or to the temple. Ticket to the temple. We'll have to decide. It's about tithing, guys. Uh, we're not going to delve in this episode into all of the financial topics of the church, including things like people getting paid uh, for for a calling, which is kind of, it's related because it's financial, but it's a separate topic. Uh, we're right. just talking about tithing itself, which is arguably the core income of the church. And yeah. we're going we're gonna to present a few things here. One of the things that I thought would, well, we got to do LDS in the news first. What am I doing? Man, holy shit, isn't it? Broke your own protocol. I know. What's up? So this relates a little bit to, well, many topics that we're talking about in the podcast. Uh, the church's attitude on true transparency, I guess, historical transparency. So, um, yeah, there was a, there was a program called The Mormons, which was a documentary created by PBS in around 2007, I think, is when mm, that came That's out. about right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think it was the summer of 2007. And so it, you know, it created uh, some controversy, as always, because mostly the active LDS membership and some of the leadership even, they're always going to have trouble with a documentary style program because they're always going to feel like some things were misrepresented or some of the, uh, the uncomfortable historical elements came out, something like that. And, and so the question becomes, well, if you're the true church, the only true church of God on the face of the planet, 
why would you have uncomfortable history to begin with? But I guess that's a, a side note. Uh, here's an interesting clip. I'm going to play a clip for you guys. This is a clip. So after the after the documentary, the uh, there was a guy that's uh, uh, I don't even remember his name. Sorry, dude. Uh, who's kind of a reporter slash talk show host guy for PBS. He has people on, he has discussion panels and things. He had a panel discussion on about the Mormons with some pro and con type people, you know, up on this panel talking about it. What, what did they think, etc. One of the guys he uh, interviewed one-on-one was Marlon K. Jensen, who in 07, Dave, do you remember? Was it, okay, well, was it Jensen who was the, he was the historian? No. Yes. No, he yeah. was. I I met the man. Uh, he came to our stake. Uh, but I also, again, met him through the missionary department, uh, which I spoke about last week. Right. My wife's former employment. And uh, the, the last time I saw him, uh, of course, I'd blown sunshine up his ass, told him his last talk was awesome or something like that. And and he had just assumed the position of church historian. Right, right. Chief right. apologist. Yeah, you could call him that, right? Yeah. That's a whole other episode, by the way. Uh, the the history, no pun intended, I guess, of church historians. Because <laughs> the history is most of the time the church doesn't actually want an educated historian to be the historian they want a lawyer to be the historian so we could talk about that as well but here's a little clip of uh so in the documentary like i said there were some uncomfortable things that were brought up if you don't like a full view of history if you would rather do a half view as instructed by folks like uh packer boyd k packer when he talked to the ces in the early 80s and told them explicitly to give a half truth when they taught church history to their students. Uh, Some truths do not have value. Right. How did he put it? They don't have equal value or here's Marlon quoting Packer. Oh, okay. uh, Here's, here's a question. You'll hear the guy asking a question and you'll hear Marlon respond. It's maybe a minute and a half or two. And here we go. Do you have to, do you think Elder Jensen tread lightly with the faithful in instructing them how to deal with aspects of the past. There's the faith promotion part. There's the being positive part. Then there's the, you know, sort of raw, rough truth there. How do you instruct the faithful to balance all of that? Well, I think uh, one would always have to consider the audience. That's that's a critical part. You're not going to to print the same things or say the same same things to youth, for instance, or children that you would to an educated audience. But Again, to have the impression that somehow the church would tailor its history or doctor its history and make it more palpable or palatable is untrue. I think our let me just pause Jesus right there. Christ. I just about shit myself. Yeah, Never that mind. <laughs> that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, there are many instances wow. where the church obviously and actually by instruction from leadership hid. Yes the truth but we'll talk about that some other time let's continue our purpose is to build faith in jesus christ that's what we want to have happen for all of mankind but you don't do that by concealing the truth or by covering up someone's faults we all have them and in fact that's why we have christ so that if we make mistakes we don't have to be condemned by them okay so so far there i'm agreeing with him 
all right? You, you don't resolve this issue by covering up some of the truth, okay? But unfortunately, he actually contradicts himself here in a second. Forever. So I think we have to have discretion. Not all truth is useful. What? There it is. There it Not is. Not all truth is useful. Wow. <laughs> How in the hell does that make any sense in any context? Uh, any- okay. And here he goes on, and you're going to flip out because he says <laughs> it's explicitly true with history. Uh, what the fuck? You should hide some parts of history. You don't really want to. Okay, here we go. Uh, someone said once, yeah, we are a generation that wants to be transparent and tell everything. And I don't know that that's the way to approach any history, especially church history. So- what? I- any history now? You don't want okay. to be transparent with any history. Okay, well, that's basically what the version of history that we do have, unfortunately, in all history, world history, and everything. But so you know, thank you. Meant his little thing here. Hold on. There has to be judgment and discretion, but we would love our members to be fully informed and aware of everything. Yeah. So we want them to be fully informed, what aware of everything, uh, but we should be careful and not be fully transparent. Okay, so he just completely contradicted himself. Just I don't in two cents. What to say about that? But but yeah. why does that relate to tithing? An episode on tithing? Well, because we're talking a lot about transparency in this topic. Um, so let's let's delve into just a little bit of history. I don't want to take a, a lot of time on this, but just to kind of paint a historical picture there. Uh, so tithing, this concept of paying a tithe, is a commandment in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I demand to continue to call the Mormons to piss people off. You know what the true title is? Let's go back to that real quick. Corporation of the president of the church. Well, that was last week, but I've had an upgrade, an update on that. It's the oh. church of cheese and rice and rattle day snakes. Oh, right. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, you got to keep up with the times. Oh, my God. That, that's There okay. we go. Right. Here we go. Thank you for that correction. Um, yeah. So it's a commandment. Uh, here's a quote here in which adherents make willing tithe donations. We'll talk about the willing part in a moment. Ooh. Usually 10%, always at least 10% of their income to the church. Okay, uh, let's run down here for a second. I'm looking at Wikipedia, by the way. People are going to criticize me for that. So let's just be clear. Wikipedia is not a source in and of itself. What it is is a collection of sources. And so what you have to do when you're looking at an article on Wikipedia, you got to be a little careful. You have to look at the footnotes. Where are they getting this information? And you can just simply scroll down to the bottom and discover, are they getting this from church documents? And this, in this situation, about 90% of what they're quoting here is from church history and documents itself. And then are they getting it from someone else? Uh, you know, someone who talked on this topic, et cetera. So that's, you know, what we're talking about here. Uh, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery made a covenant on November 29, 1834, in which they promised to give a tenth of all that they received to the poor in the church. Okay, not Mm. itself, but directly to the poor. However, during the early history of the Church of Christ, 
which was one of its names. It was the Church of Latter-day Saints at one point, too, which I'm sure President Nelson would cringe about and claim that Satan was getting a major victory because it was called the Church of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, it was only Joseph Smith that made that decision. So what a moron, right? Um, Most Latter-day Saints understood the scriptural word tithing as any amount of consecrated goods or money, not necessarily a tenth. For example, in 1837, the presiding bishop Edward Partridge and his counselors defined tithing as 2% of a household's annual net worth. I like that guy already. Me too. I wish that was federal tax there, about 2%. That'd be nice. Um, So we're going to roll on down here. Historical uh, Brigham Young defined tithing as 10% of one's property upon conversion and then 10% of one's annual income. He also instituted an immigration tithe, requiring 10% of one's net gross upon arrival in the state of Deseret. Yes, that was to his kingdom. Um, However, here's the funny part. Young admitted that neither he nor anyone else had paid a full tithe as he interpreted the Doctrine and Covenants. Well, this is what it should be, but even I, as the prophet, don't pay a full tithe. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> Thanks, Brigham. Your your confidence inspires me. Um, he could just give away one or two of his wives and consider that a tithing. I yeah, don't know. That's true, right? He had about, I don't know. 57 or something? No, So that's five, right? Or five, cut one into tenths and yeah. 5.7. Uh, Do the King Solomon thing, cut one in half. Right. Uh, as long as it was the fun half, according to Brigham, whatever <laughs> half that is. Uh, John John Taylor, when he came into office, eliminated the immigration tithe. Thank you, John, for those who moved to Utah. They didn't have to pay the Mormons to, to move into the state. Um, let's see. So so the, the point is this. Tithing started out from the very beginning, from Joseph and Oliver themselves, as a tenth paid to the poor, period. That was it. That was the end of the story. Later on, people interpret that less, not more, I don't think, less than 10%, up to 10% again, back and forth. Then it changes uh, to become uh, something you just pay the church. The church pays a portion of that to the poor, and uses the rest for their operating expenses. Then it changes again later, and this is the history that most of us today will remember, to a point where none of that 10% goes to the poor. That's important Mm -hmm. because giving to the poor then becomes optional. And you have something called fast offerings that came about. And fast offerings are what get given to the poor. Now, if you go in and meet with the bishop and he says, hey, how, are you full tithe paid or blah, blah, blah. Yep, pay my tithing. You can go to the temple. We'll talk about that later a little more too. If you're not paying fast offerings, you can still go to the temple. You just have to pay tithing. So what does that mean? What are we saying there? Well, it's okay for the poor to go without as long as God's kingdom does not go without. You got it. I mean, what is the kingdom? Uh, 
that five billion dollar mall how much did they spend on that mall dance i know that it gets overworked i realize but come on folks city creek mall yeah Um, here's something i pulled up online guys uh i recommend hunting this down i found it really quickly actually i just looked at financial or lds financial transparency i think are the keywords in google that i shot out there i found an article that's excellent it's like 44 pages okay it's pretty in-depth it's called the present past and future of lds financial transparency by samuel d brunson absolutely fascinating article uh not an article that you would say is apologetic on the one hand or criticizing or accusatory on the other it's not that style it's just a historical document now Hopefully he doesn't follow Marlon K. Jensen, a.k.a. Boyd K. Packer's advice, and he's only giving a a partial history here because you wouldn't want to ever be fully transparent with history, especially. Uh, But I think he is pretty good here. So here's just a couple highlights. In 1915... Through 1959, the church made an annual public disclosure of its finances. Do y'all know that? That's what, that's before my time, so I didn't know that. Um, so in conference, they would stand up and say, hey, you know, here's our, they'd throw a slide up or whatever they did. I don't think they had, well, they had glass slides back then. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe they just verbalized it. Hey, we, we gathered 20 million in tithing this year we paid this for that this temple cost this we paid this for administrative fees and and this and and they would lay they do what a lot of churches do today they would fully publish and verbalize their finances to the membership which obviously would then be uh able to be acquired by the public right and put in a newspaper or whatever you want to do in 1959 in the wake of significant deficit spending by the church because God's only true church in the world, led by him, would definitely run in deficit, right? <laughs> uh, and as a result of massive investment losses, because God certainly would not inspire his leaders to invest in things that wouldn't be a loss. That's, that's their fuck up, right? He he only leads them in spiritual things. He doesn't lead them in financial things, right? To lead his church. Uh, do you sense a little facetiousness here? <laughs> the church ended its detailed public financial disclosure. Well, of course they did. They didn't want it. The membership would have been irate. What? You're blowing all our fucking tithing? You're losing money? Well, you know. The stock market goes up and goes down, you know, it's not that reliable. I mean, uh, and again, God's only there in spiritual matters. So we had to make those decisions ourselves. I'm sorry. We fucked up a little bit, but hey, it's only money and it's God's money. It's not your money anyway. So yeah, why would we be, forget that? Why be careful with God's money? Who cares if that runs negative? I mean, come on. It's only God's money. It's only his church. And he's leading this church. Did I did I remember to say that? Um, so he's you did speaking directly to these leaders and telling them how to do things. Here's how to run my church in a deficit. 
So um, there's a little bit of background, guys. I don't know if you realized that the church used to be transparent. I don't know if you realize it used to be used exclusively for the poor, then both administrative and poor purposes, then only administrative. And so if you want to give to the poor, it's got to be through fast offerings now. Um, so uh, what else do we have to say about this, Dave? Any thoughts? There's, uh, you know, one guy brought up an example um, where a guy out of the kindness of his heart responded to the victims of a hurricane mm-hmm. and basically donated, you know, let's say $10,000. Maybe he saw a news clip and goes, Oh my God, those poor people and truly felt compassion and empathy for them and sent them, uh, this money. And so he went into the Bishop during tithing settlement, which is held right around Christmas. That's interesting. End of the year. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to say what I was about to say there. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Uh, <laughs> shit. Anyway. And he's, he's, he went to the bishop and he says, look, uh, no, I didn't pay any tithing, but I gave 10 grand for those hurricane victims out of the, you know, mm-hmm. the sh- honesty and the kindness of my heart uh doesn't that count nope nope (laughs) Nope, you're not even a partial tithe payer and yeah you help those people but you didn't help to build up god's corporate i mean kingdom should i god i almost slipped oh you almost did you should have earmarked that ten thousand as a fast offering brother there you go so my uh, my first memory of tithing and the fact that it still sticks in my memory is interesting to me. I was only about six years old and my grandfather owned a pharmacy and drugstore. And uh, we stayed with them as well as <laughs> all our relatives because mom was AWOL, but that's another story. And so while we lived with them, he would bring me down to the store and I'd help out and I was labeling product. I had a little label machine and whatever, and I put in price labels on the products. The end of the day he says, okay, well, you've earned a dollar and hell, this is, you know, 64. That for, I, that was a lot of money yeah. for a six year sure. old back then. Yeah. Uh, my eyes are bugging out and, and he hands it out to me and then pulls it right back. And he goes, you need to pay your tithing on this. So he grabs the dollar, puts it back in his pocket, pulls out some change, gives me 90 cents, takes the dime, puts it in an envelope. And he says, you make sure and pay your tithing. I was basically shocked. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? Literally, I felt like I was being robbed. Sure. So, and that, that emotion still very, I I remember it. That was six years. That was a long time ago, folks. So anyway, that was my introduction to tithing. And I, uh, I've had, you know, we've all had several experiences. Tithing settlements, one of my favorite where, you know, this man who lives down the street from you gets to haul you into an office, close the door and ask you if, if you pay tithing at all, if you're part or full. Mm-hmm. And then 
that's one of the questions on your temple recommend. So bottom line, let's keep it simple. You don't pay tithing. You don't get a temple recommend. You don't go to the temple and engage in the Freemason. I mean, the, uh, the ordinances, you, you don't, you don't go to heaven. That's no, wait a minute. Fucking, David, you're what, blowing this out of proportion. Did I fuck that up a Look, little bit? Totally I'm sorry. Voluntary. Oh, that's right. There's no coercion. Like every commandment of God, it's totally voluntary. That's true. There's no compulsion. Why won't there be? What? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I thought about the fact that for years in my previous marriage, we were belly up, really. We we eventually sold a a house that cost twice as much as the house we bought down here where I'm at now. And uh, because we lost our ass and that 10 to 12%, now I say 12%, because that would include the fast sure. offerings, yeah. which, Every- hey, that's just as much guilt uh, involved. And if you didn't pay that, no, nah, you're just, you know, you're just. You're not giving to the poor. Not, uh, you're not valiant and you're, you know. So anyway, that would have made the difference. That money, if I had been freed up to pay the bills that became outstanding for us. We would have been fine. Yeah. We would have broke oh, yeah. even. When you're tight, you're you're yeah. That ten percent's huge at that point. Th- that would have done it for us. So I can't sit and harbor those feelings. I can't, uh, you know. But yeah, anger. You know that there's a part uh, of a person who's, and maybe that's one indicator of how fully in a person might have been once they leave is the degree of of anger. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's just your capacity to control your emotions or not. I had an extreme amount of anger uh, at myself, which was probably at the church, yes, but even at myself, which might have been the most damaging, Mm -hmm. which can turn, that's depression. Anger turned inward is depression. Uh, Anyway, Shit, I'm off yeah, topic. An episode again, that but... we should explore definitely, and and maybe multiple episodes because it's an important topic. You know, the psychological so, deprogramming the, of something like this right. is uh, a huge effort. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've got another aspect here just to consider for a minute. Um, although it would seem that if everyone paid 10% of their income, tithing would be a flat or proportional assessment. In reality, it's very regressive in terms of relative sacrifice. For example, a person with an annual income of 200,000 can pay 20,000 tithing without sacrificing necessities such as food, clothing, housing, medical care for his family. But the person who receives an income of only 20,000 a year will probably need to sacrifice important necessities in order to pay his $2,000 tithing. So the argument that it's it's 10% for everyone and that makes it even, you know. No, and, and you know, what's, no. what's also uh, relevant to mention with that is it, it used to be, so during the fluctuating of this is tithing, that's tithing, this is tithing through the history of the church, or at least the part of the transparent... <laughs> history of the church that we get to enjoy. Uh, heaven forbid that it's a, a bad light, 
we wouldn't want any of that to come out, is that um, it used to be during a period, this is of your increase, okay? And an increase is not, an increase is after expenses. That's very important to understand. So tithing for many years right, was right. if you got that 20K a year guy, and he's even, he spends all 20K to survive, you know, and, and then some, right? He's had to borrow money or do that. Mm. He owes no tithing. Mm-hmm. You got another guy who makes that 200K and let's he let's say he spends 120 or 150 to, uh, you know, for his expenses. He lives a little higher on the hog as he should, right? Or he can, he's capable. He's got 50K remaining then that was surplus. He would pay tithing on that 50K. And that's what tithing was for a long time. It was on your your surplus or your increase, and your increase was considered after expenses. It was not on your gross. Um, and and people, or even mm. your net minus, minus taxes, right? And so that is, it's right, relevant. Right. It's important, right? Uh, the the widow's sure. might is not equal, you know. Um, it's a huge portion when it's all you have, right? Not to quote Jesus, exactly. my buddy Jesus. Uh, but, uh, you know, I I remember as a missionary, and we're get, we're knocking on thirty minutes here. I remember uh, how uncomfortable I was, if I'm honest about how I felt. We were, you know, going through the discussions with investigators and we'd get to the tithing mm. thing. And, oh, hell, it was an obstacle. Of course it was. I mean, it was like, what? 10%? I mean, you know, we lost half our investigators, I would say, that I recall over tithing. Once we hit that, really? it was like, wow, well, no. Oh, oh yeah. It was a big, and the word of wisdom was not quite as big for most people, but that was an issue. And so basically they were interested in just going to church on Sunday. What the hell, what, what the fuck, what is this taking over my life and making me pay for it and saying, I won't ever get to see God again or my eternal family unless I pay for it. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, I recall Jesus teaching those exact same principles. Right, you pay to get to heaven. Or am I mis- <laughs> am I not remembering correctly? I don't. Which which uh, book? What, what version are you reading I, again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> JST. Yeah, guys, uh, a church that demands money, which is totally willing in your choice to allow you to go to the only place that will enable you to get to the celestial kingdom and be with your family is very coercive. That same organization that is not transparent with your donations and is a tax exempt organization um, is suspect. And not to mention the related topics that we alluded to earlier in in our episode about these folks getting paid and don't mistake they are getting paid even though the church loves to say we have no paid clergy the term clergy includes leadership the leadership does get paid all the way down to levels like mission presidents uh so you know let's uh 
let's not swallow the charade oh. and let's recognize tithing for what right. it is. Look, an organization has expenses. They should they should be able to to pay for those expenses. But let's be transparent and let's not coerce people into paying this. One other aspect before we we depart, um, what it does when it's coercion, when it's demanded of you, basically, it robs you of the experience of feeling good about what you're doing. For instance, real quick, yesterday, my neighbor is having a yard sale. She's moving and she's just got to get rid of all this stuff. And she had some stuff from Mexico and I recognized it as being, you know, some stuff that had some value to it. And she says, Oh, give me a quarter. And I thought, Oh, come on. You know? So I bought one thing and I gave her a dollar and I went, I I noticed something else. I went back over there a little while later and I said, you know, I'm interested in these other couple items. She goes, yeah, just a quarter. I gave her five (laughs) bucks. Now I'm not patting myself on the back, but I, of course I felt good about doing that because she only required this and I felt good because I did it because I care about my fellow beings, you know, humanity. I did it because, you know, uh, no reward. So holding out a reward that you have to pay for, that's just fucking nonsense. It robs you of having that good feeling of, of, and it, you know? and that's really the template that the church has followed with everything, with every commandment. And we True. can talk about that. You know, I'll leave yeah. with a, a very short snippet of a story. So like you, Dave, I fell with my wife on hard times a couple times in 01 and in 08. And people will, will remember those two periods in U.S. history as some struggling economic periods in the, in the past. Hmm. And... uh after the first one, we we were in dire straits. We we were barely surviving. We ended up having to short sell our home and, and on and on. And I remember we had to go for the first time in our lives to the church for assistance. And this is one of the excuses people will use for the good that tithing does or whatever. Uh, and go to the bishop's storehouse and have that humiliating feeling of, you know, gosh, I'm here because I can't support my family right now, which many, many people would feel that same kind of regret of, gosh, you know, I wish I wasn't in this situation. I was thankful for sure, uh, admittedly, you know, that that, that resource was there. Oh, yeah. So I remember meeting uh, with the stake president, with the bishop about the situation, et cetera. I will never forget uh, the stake president had... Uh, uh, the elders quorum president and his first counselor come over and talk to me. And they sat down and they were talking about, well, how can we get past this so that you guys, you know, don't have to depend on the church anymore to help you out? And well, that, trust me, that's what I'm thinking about every waking moment of my life right now as I lay awake in bed, <laughs> weeping that I can't support <laughs> my family, literally. Yeah. No, no I'm not it, laughing. It's, I, it's just, I totally relate. It gets better. Right? Gets better. I, so they're looking around the room yeah, and, and I mean, uh, my wife has all these books. This is before I converted her to eBooks. Uh, hundreds of books that she inherited from her grandma, who was an avid reader of science fiction and fantasy. And they're like, well, you could sell your books. Sure. 10 cents a piece. I'm sure we'd make, you know, 
50 bucks, you know, yeah. Enough for, you get a bucket of chicken. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good permanent solution. And then now there goes her grandma's book collection forever. And yeah, that's a good choice. And, you know, we're, we're talking and he's like, and, and the, uh, this is the final note. The elders corn president looks at me and says, you know, what happened? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, I remember when you guys were good members. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh man. Seriously. Wow. Good stuff, huh? All right, folks. Yeah, that's some deep love. That's it's just it's just love. You know, he misspoke maybe, but it's just because he loves you so much. You know, know? the members are imperfect, but the church is perfect. Remember that. Of course. And you know, the definition of a church is a group of members. (laughs) But stop getting technical. Come on, man. Anyway, (laughs) uh, love you guys. Tune into uh, mormontalk.org. Come talk to us. Give us your comments on our episodes. And any any last words, bro? We'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. <laughs>